Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, Thomas and Caballeros. And welcome back to another edition of Leader Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, Mr. Gabriel Mentoya. What's going on, bro? How are you doing? Are you there, Gabriel? Can you hear me now, Gabriel? Are we in? Are we patched in here? How about now? Can you hear me? I can hear you now, yeah. So let's try this all, right. all over again. <laughs> Welcome back to another it's all right. <laughs> I know. You know, we're rusty big time here, man. It's been a minute since we've been live on the air. I mean, even to the point where, dude, I haven't used my laptop in such a long time that I can't even log into my computer right now. I'm literally sitting here waiting to get on here. So if I sound a little funky, it's because I'm doing it through my phone at the moment. But... um. So let's just try this all over again. Welcome to another edition of Leader Ring Radio. I'm your host, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, Mr. Gabriel Mentoya. Gabriel, how you been, bro? I've been great, man. Just been chilling. Uh, well, actually, I've been kind of busy at work. I'm getting uh, ready to start rehearsals in about a week here and prepping a couple other auditions and just, you know, doing that actor thing and taking a little break after uh, – what, nine years of uh, of uh, the next round and just kind of enjoying that a little bit of getting my Mondays back. So, uh, you know, it's been good, man. I'm, uh, you know, doing another thing like next week, I'm uh, performing for uh, for kids in like, uh, like secondary school, you know, like, um, Oh, right on. Uh, I don't want, I don't want to like shame them. It's not like youth authority or anything, but uh, kind of like continuation school, you know, the kids are a little bit troubled with their education and trying to get on track. And uh, what we do is they pair up a couple actors with a student and the kid writes a one-act play, uh, we kind of help them find their creative voice, get them more excited about school. So doing that next week. So I've got a lot going on. Like, you know, uh, uh, not having the next round around, it's kind of freed up my mind and freed up uh, time to do other things. But it sure is nice to be back on a Thursday here with you, dude. You know, I mean, I've gotten so many emails because, you know, obviously I've been in my hiatus. I always say I'm going to come back, and then I do for a short minute, and I disappear, and – you know, and and I, I love the fans that, that have been followers for Leaving the Ring for what? I mean, 10 years maybe? And, um, God, I don't even – it's been that long. That's the crazy part is that we've yeah. been doing this for that for that long. And I always respond back and said, man, I'm going to come back. It's just, you know, I own a business, and it's really hard to have a family and then have a business and then try to get everything organized so that we could do this show. I mean, I completely forgot how hard it is to get a show going. And just to let folks in a little in on, on what's going to be happening today is uh, right now we're just giving we're, – we're actually filling each other out again because we haven't done this in such a long time. But we got Lou DiBella scheduled to come on in a short bit, so he should be calling in. Um, and obviously he's going to talk about the disappointment of his fighter, uh, Derechenko, um, not getting the fight with Gennady Golovkin. And then we're going to go into the Canelo six-month uh, six suspension, 
which uh, Evan Rokowski from uh, from his podcast here on Leaving the Ring is going to be joining us, and then we'll talk a little bit about Adrian Broner, uh, his his uh, uh, feud with Ellerby. I mean, I don't know if you had a chance to check that out. That was something else. <laughs> Can, can right? you hear me through these headphones? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I definitely can. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. I, I know folks, you know, a lot of people are like, well, thing. you know, I watched the whole you know press Agent Browner. What was that? Oh, I I just love the whole thing. Like when Vargas is talking yeah. and all this, I was like, Where, where's that music coming from? And it's coming from AB's headphones. Like the whole time, like the whole <laughs> press conference is going, and he's just sitting there grooving to his music. Uh, you almost get a sense that, like, he seems so relaxed and, and – and just the way he talked to Ellerby was was uh, pretty ruthless. You got the sense that he, it, when it was time for him to say, "Hey, you know, do you know how?" When they asked him, "Do you know how important this is to your career?" And he was like, "Yeah, absolutely." And he kind of dropped all of the other, all the stuff he was doing, and focused in and was like, "I absolutely know how important this is to my career." You know, it's make or break right. time for him. So, but I loved his whole attitude, just the way he was kind of moving and doing his own thing, and kind of against, you know, put, kind of stacking the chips against himself. Like some guys need that, even if it's imagined to have a room full of enemies, some guys need that to, to be motivated, to, to get the, to be as sharp as they need to be. And Jesse Vargas looks like he, he came to win too. Uh, he seemed pretty animated, Dude, pretty mean, excited by the whole thing. Right. He had gloves on. <laughs> exactly. And you know, the look that, that Jesse Vargas had on his face was basically, I can't wait to land my right hand on this guy. I, I just can't wait to see how he reacts to Mike Punch. Because, you know, Adrian Broner is, is Broner. You know, whether you like him or you hate him, you, you, you expect exactly what he's going to give you. And uh, just right. to let you know, Gabriel, um, Lou just texted right now. He's on, the, uh, on a, um, what is it, uh, 631 area code. So whenever you get a chance, go ahead and oh, uh, patch him yeah, if you want to do it, let's okay. do it. Let's patch him on yeah, in right we... now. All right. Um, boom. Ludabella, you are live on Leave It in the Ring. Lou, are you there? He might be Don't on be shy, Lou. Oh. <laughs> oh, just my luck. Two, six, three, ones in the switchboard. Uh, oh, there you are. Hey, Lou, how you doing? How are you? How are you? I'm, do- I'm doing very well. So you guys, at least you guys didn't have to sit in the middle of the dais on that press conference today. <laughs> hey, Lou, let me ask you this, because I was looking at your face. I mean, how many times did you just want to burst in laughter when this was going on? I mean, it was silly, man. There was a lot of silliness. But, but look, I mean, you know, it's so bizarre. And the reason Broner keeps getting more chances and, the more, and people keep buying tickets and he has this huge social media following is it sort of like, you know, you never know what to expect and he's his own personal soap opera. I mean, it's like, it's like compelling television, quote unquote. Um, but you know, I think that I, I agree with what one of you just said, because I was on hold um, when you said that, you know, when it, when it came to though, when, when asked about, you know, how serious this is for his career, I, I think he does know, um, you know, uh, he does know, but, uh, look, this is, he's got Kevin Cunningham now with him. Um, I think Vargas is a, a big volume puncher, not, not a huge puncher in terms of knockout power, but a big volume puncher and, and a big kid and, and hungry and confident. Um, you know, there's only so many times, even if you're compelling, 
that people will buy you if you don't you don't win. And 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 Adrian with his popularity doesn't have to win every fight, but um, I, I actually think that if you want to talk about a crossroads fight, I think Broner's got to win this fight. You know. You you know the, the thing with Vargas, I, I got to disagree with you about his power. I mean, I actually think he has the power to hurt anybody that stands a little too long in front of him. And and seeing Broner, and the way Broner fights nowadays, he he tends to stay in the pocket too long. This is a great opportunity for Jesse Vargas to see. No, no, I, 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 I agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that. I, I mean, I just don't think he's, he's not an overwhelming puncher. He, he's a volume puncher. You know what, though? You've already seen it in Broner fights. Broner has been susceptible to volume punchers. And, you know, Vargas is a volume puncher. The kid's very fresh. You know, he's, like, confident. He's a bigger kid. Um, you know, this is a, it's a real interesting fight, actually. But meanwhile, beef you know, seems to be the topic of the moment in boxing, and so you, we went from like tainted beef to a lot of beefs, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Don't whatever you do, don't test my beef. I'm going to come back positive. Uh, speaking of the positives, uh, I'm curious. Do you know if Vada is testing this fight or any of the fights on the card? On on what fights? Uh, the fights this weekend that you know the Broner card. Oh, I mean, is New York testing, you mean? Or is Vada no, 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 testing these? Yeah, um, is there any third party or, or USADA, anybody? I mean, only to the extent that these guys are in the, the clean boxing program, and, and then New York State's testing, the, you know, the, this week. You know, their, their week okay. of testing. Gotcha. Um, yeah, to my understanding. Yeah, because I, I looked at uh, USADA's website, and they say that Broner's been tested five times in the first quarter, so I'm wondering if that's part of this deal or not, but uh, I guess I'll just keep digging. Uh, Dave, uh, did you want to go into the mandatory? I imagine let's, you wanted to ask about that. Let's go into the mandatory. Yeah, I definitely. I think that's where everybody's tuning in is they hear your thoughts, Lou, about the decision of, of Gennady Golovkin moving forward with Vons Matryoshin instead of your guy. I mean, like, I can't really fault them for that decision. You know what I mean? Like, right. like you, you, you're, you're, you're about to make a shitload of money to fight a guy you beat once and that you're really jacked up to beat again, and then that guy blows a drug test, and everyone starts declaring him, you know, he's cleared before there's ever a hearing, and then the guy ultimately gets suspended, and you go from uh, a multi-multi-million dollar night to a night that's going to be you know, uh, probably one of the lower purses he's made in, in recent years. And, you know, in that circumstance, do you want to fight my guy who's probably the toughest, you know, as tough a guy as you can fight out there right now um, without, without a giant reward? So, you know, I understand why he wants to get basically in, in what he views as, as almost like a, glorified exhibition um you know he has a huge money fight after this this uh this dude gets off his suspension right um i mean and, it's a smart business move right i mean i mean you, i mean i agreed with i didn't i mean look i'm well, with everybody you just can't have it both you know, ways. here's the thing there's nothing can't. i'm not faulting them for for doing that but at the same time 
um, you can't have it both ways. So if you don't want to take the risk and you don't want to fight my guy, my guy's got to earn a living. He's earned the right to be where he is. And you can't ask someone to step aside. See, it, people are getting confused. The, the, the issue on stepping aside for Vanis, that's not the issue. Like, we don't care. I mean, we have enough respect for Golovkin. He didn't cause this situation. I mean, right. like, I don't love the fight. I don't really give a shit about the fight, and I probably won't even watch it if I have something better to do. But, but that being said, I mean, I, I, like, he didn't do anything wrong. It's the other guy that did something yeah. wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. So I don't have any, you know. So if he wanted to walk into the ring as, as champion and then, you know, start negotiations that Monday to fight Derevyanchenko next, then there'd be no issue. But if he wants to basically make my guy wait another six months when because a guy broke the rules and tested positive, no. Like that, you know, you can't have it both ways. If you're going to go for the money, then that belt goes away, and that's just the conscious decision you have to make. So as, yeah. as it stands, you know, they won't. The IBF has decided that they won't strip him for this fight. But that no, I don't, I don't the- think I, I don't think that they've sent in the paperwork yet for an exception. I imagine they're going to. Uh, but, but but the point I'm making is like it's really never been about like like I mean we're not sitting there running around with legal documents trying to make sure he can't fight on May 5th. It's not about right. that. It's what happens the next day. I mean, and, and basically, why does he need the belt on May 5th if he's going to not fight, if he's going to give it up afterward anyway? But, but if he wants to walk into the ring with the belt on May 5th, uh, no one, uh, that's not the issue. The issue is what happens next. And if he's not fighting Sergey next, then then, you know, Sergey wants the, the title vacated so he can get into the mix and fight a, a fight that's going to earn him money. He's got a wife and two kids, and he's earned the opportunity. He's a deserving mandatory. How unusual. This is why mandatories are, are, are created, so guys like him can force the issue and make a living. Right. Well, I think you said it a long time ago. Uh, the, the phrase has been truncated and kind of co-opted, but I think you said on this show, the belts matter until they don't. Right, uh, and they do. You know, uh, do you think this situation, because anti-doping is so new on the landscape, you know, kind of going back to what 2000, but really becoming more pervasive since 2010 uh, with Floyd Mayweather doing USADA testing, do you think it's time that the sanctioning bodies take a look at this kind of exception? I mean, I, I don't even, I've got to be honest with you, I don't even know that the sanctioning body should be in the middle of the testing. I mean, if you want to know the truth, part of the problem right now is like, I mean, guys, I mean, look, I love the WBC and Mauricio for taking the initiative. At the same time, no matter how much they like a guy or believe in a guy, you have to, like, you know, sort of maintain adherence to your own sort of standards. And, and like, right now, part, like, you know, most of these organizations, one of the things I've always admired about the IBF, and look, it was created, frankly, out of an era where there was trouble, and the IBF you know, went into receivership and, 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 and really had to, to go move toward adhering to its own rules. But the IBF does adhere to its own rules, whereas, you know, it, it seems that a lot, a lot of people sometimes make up their own rules or change them or adapt them. And, and you know, I, right, right now, look, the state of – I mean, the total testing is BS right now to begin with. The fighters themselves are the ones signing up for it, and then, you know – and doing, you know, really, and, and then, 
also, who's determining when it starts? I mean, you, you know that there's huge differences between, you know, starting four weeks before a fight and, and, and starting, you know, when a fight is first signed. And, and you know, look at this case. You I know, mean, it was the first time he was tested in Mexico, and it apparently happened sooner than normal, you know. And, and just looking at the USADA website, Broner has been tested, tested eight times in the first two quarters of the year, but Vargas hasn't been tested at all. That's not well, a testing program. Well, I mean, you want to talk about not having a testing program. Um, Canelo, I mean, Canelo Alvarez was ordered. The BC put Canelo, inserted Canelo into their mandatory position and dictated that there, there should be an immediate rematch. And, you know, the BC is the one that has the more evolved uh, program in terms of, you know, testing for performance-enhancing drugs and 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 demanding that WBC fighters in order to fight for the BC and get ranked be part of their clean boxing program. And I don't know, until, I don't know if it changed in the last couple of weeks, but I don't recall Canelo being part of that program. No, he's not. He's not. Well, how, how could that be? I mean, how could that be? Except this is boxing. <laughs> this is boxing. Right. But otherwise, how right. could that be? How could that be? Right. Uh, the their explanation the was that because he's he, well, I mean, I was just gonna. Uh, their explanation for it was well, because he's already in Bada testing, which makes no sense regardless. Um, he's he not part of the clean program. boxing program. Right. Period. I mean, I've I have loads of emails requiring me to have all my guys, you know, sign up and be part of the clean boxing program. You know, and and, and you know, I, he's not part of the clean boxing program. How's that? You know, it just. Right. Yeah, it makes no sense, but it it does make sense. I mean, this fight is is hypocrisy heaven. You know, uh, we've had people defend Triple G as a guy that doesn't care about money, uh, only cares about the fans. You know, it, it I mean, is good, he but... should care about money. It's a frigging business, man. <laughs> like what right. the fuck? I mean, like look, yeah. the, most of these guys are going in there. And let me tell you something: if Triple G keeps taking punches, you know, with with greater frequency, like he has. You know, in, in recent fights, and he continues fighting well into his future. He, he's going to wind up paying a price too later, because if you think that football is the only sport that has concussion issues, no one's paying attention. So, I mean, this is a business. This is a business. So he's making a business decision. But you know what? He has to respect other people's business decisions and rights also. So here's like what I would say. You know, if you're going to, if you, I would lay this on Triple G and Tom. If you said, okay, guys, Triple G wants to walk in the ring May 5th and he wants to do this fight, he wants to walk in with the, with the belt, you know, uh, if they say that's fine. If they say they're going to fight us next, then that's cool. And, you know, we'll start negotiations on May 7th. If we know that they're fighting on September 15th against Canelo. If that's what they're doing, they also know Canelo was suspended. He didn't hurt himself. He was suspended. So, like – then just say, okay, fine, we're, we, we, want, we want the exception for this fight, and we're going to vacate after this fight. I mean, you can't have it both ways. Right. Right. Let me ask you let this me, just to, you. to wrap up with it, because uh, I'd heard this thrown out. What was your recourse here? I mean, you, you could you know, petition the IBF, but could you have said, look, I'll throw up X amount of dollars, let's do a co-promotion? Or as the mandatory, you know, are you obligated to act a certain way and the lead promoter, you know, that has the, the mandatory obligation, are they financially obligated a certain way? Can you no, explain it, that? It, it, if, if Tom had something to offer 
you know, that was for a plan for Derevchenko that involved the winners or, or involved certain. If he had a plan, we would have been able to to listen to it. But the IBF doesn't allow step aside money. So, like the IBF, one of the few organizations that doesn't allow step aside money generally. It's not in. It's right. not something that's permissible in the IBF. Now that being said, you know, no one ever said, "Hey, do you want to fight on the undercard May 5th?" No one ever offered that even though, you know, no one ever that never came no, up. I, I meant I meant, you know, if you wanted it to be Triple G Derevchenko this May 5th, could you have made an offer and said, "I'll throw in a couple million into the pot or or that, you know, let's make it a co-promotion." Is that a, was that a viable option? I mean, I, I, I no, it wasn't an option really because I don't think that under any circumstances, Tom and, and Gennady and Abel were going to decide to fight Derevchenko on May 5th. I, I think that... I mean, that, were there even a phone call to you, Lou? No, I mean, there was never a discussion. There was never an offer made for a fight. There, there was never an offer made for a fight. And, and, it was, and, look, I'll be, and it's, look, this is one of the reasons why I'm not upset with Tom. And I'm not... I mean, there wasn't a lot of BS. You know, it was clear. It just, like, we don't want to fight. You know, right now... Yeah. In this situation, we don't want to fight Derevchenko. Uh, and you, you think it, you think what Chris Mannix is is throwing out there, calling Triple G, uh, saying that Triple G is ducking your guy. You, do you think that's accurate or like because you said a little while and I well, I mean, it, 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 is it accurate? It's, it, it, it's I don't think it depends on, on look. People are writing things with 140 characters, so it, it, right. is it accurate? I mean. It's accurate on one hand, but it's it's totally rational and explicable. I mean, I mean, yes, he's ducking the risk when he has a giant fight out there, and the mandatory is, is a motherfucker that he knows for years and years from when they were both amateurs, and 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 you know they you know believe me, Triple G knows fighters from 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 Eastern Europe, and Derevchenko is an amateur beast, and he's pretty much a beast as a pro. He's a I mean, tough out for any champion or anybody at the top echelon of middleweight. He's not a guy that when your purse goes down tenfold, you want to see across the ring from you. So, I mean, is he, he's ducking the situation. But do I blame him? No. Does it make him a bad guy? No. Does it make him less a champion? No. Do I, am I mad at him? No. Do I think it's irrational? No. Would I do the same thing if I was Tom? Yes, probably. But I'd also acknowledge that, you know, there are sacrifices with decisions. And one of them is not going to have every belt. Absolutely. Well, let's tr- jump over to uh, the big fight that everybody wants to talk about uh, with the biggest humans in the world. Uh, Deontay Wilder, your guy versus Anthony Joshua. Uh, what's the latest with that? What do you What do you know? I mean, there, there's no latest. I mean, it, there's Eddie threw out a, uh, an offer that he made public before, you know, uh, contemporaneously with its receipt, and I don't really, I didn't really mm. take it much, much seriously as an offer. Um, I don't think Eddie threw it out with the intention that it was going to be accepted or, or as a real um, good faith, like here, like let's, uh, let's try to get a, a deal done kind of offer. But um, I've, I've said the same thing consistently, and I, and I guess I don't want to, this, this like, topic is starting to irritate me, and it's no fault of yours, but it's starting to irritate me because here's the reality. The fight will happen when everybody involved really wants to make it, and that includes Eddie and Team Joshua and you know, when, when everyone really wants to make a deal, it's not going to be social media bantering that's going to make a deal. And it's not going to be someone buying out another. You know, it's not how this kind of deal is going to work. I mean, you know, uh, in the long run. And it's going to happen through a discussion of, okay, 
well, here's how we're going to handle A, B, C, D, and E, you know, revenue streams, and here's how we're going to cut a deal that's fair and reflects the, the value of both guys. And, and you sit there and you, you, you do a deal that ultimately, like, neither one of you is thrilled with, but you both feel like you made a fair deal. That's how a deal gets done. They, they, don't, get, they don't happen through social media warfare. So it'll happen when it's going to happen, and it's not going to be a Mayweather-Pacquiao kind of weight because no one's that crazy. With the heavyweights and with guys like this, you know, every fight is an adventure. You know, just ask, uh, you know, Joshua in his last fight, and frankly, ask Deontay, too, who, you know, had, had to recover from being really badly hurt to knock out, um, uh, you know, Ortiz. Louis. Ortiz, yeah. yeah. So you know, like, it, it, yeah. I mean, you sit there and you wait something out too long, and you and you wind up killing it because something, some ex- you know, external thing comes in, and 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 oh my God, all of a sudden this mega fight's not there any longer. So I mean, this will happen, and it'll happen in due course. It'll just happen when everybody's really ready to sit down and get it done. Yeah, and I almost, almost get the sense that when it, when it, you guys go silent on it, that's when it'll get announced, not when you're talking deal points and take it or leave it. When I heard take it or leave it, you know, that just says you don't want the fight right now. That just seems pretty clear. Yeah, so I, I mean, yeah, man. but like, it, like, look, I mean, this, I don't um, – I, I think that you don't even – I don't have to say anything. I mean, like, if, if you're just following and reading what's going on out there, it's almost self-evident. You know, um, and, you know, that being said, I, I, I don't think I think the fight will build for a little bit while longer and then there'll be enough money there to satisfy Joshua and, and everybody else there um, that it makes sense. And and in the meantime, Joshua will probably get a, a payday or two. And, and that's my guess that then it will happen. I mean, if 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 they really want to make a fight right now, I think you're right. I think you're not going to hear anything and then you're going to wake up and go, oh, my God, they made the fight. You know, because I think it's a lot more likely to happen that way. When, when you're already positioning the press in the negotiation process, you already know where it's ending. Do you know what I mean? Like you're you're right. sitting there and you're involving the press. If you're doing that, you're not. That's not what you do when you try to make a deal. You know. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Uh, just lastly, you wanted to talk about the card this weekend at the the Barclays Center. How's it doing? Uh, what you know besides the marquee matchups? Is there anybody on the card that we should know about uh, for the future? Um, there's some. There are like some good prospects on the card, and of course, I don't have um, my bout sheet in front of me. But well, look, I mean, you, you know, you have uh, Rashi Warren on the card, who's not a prospect, but you know, a really good fighter, a multiple-time world champion. Um, you know, he's in a, a competitive kind of match on the card. Heather Hardy coming off two Bellator fights um, and uh, in, in a row coming back to boxing and she's fighting a 12-2 and two woman who can actually fight and it should be a good scrap and um, there's a, uh, a, a Richardson Hitchens who Mayweather Promotions has but kid was a really good amateur in New York he's a good good prospect um, George Arias undefeated heavyweight I have kid is really skilled and could fight a lot I wish he was 6 foot 5 and and 260, he's he's not. He's a little heavyweight, um, but he's a really good little heavyweight. And um, he's undefeated. He's fighting on the card. And there's a lot of a lot of talent on the card. Um, yeah, I'm excited about the televised bouts. I mean, I, I think it's going to be an action-packed night. Jesus Cuellar, uh, Gavante Davis. I think that's a really good fight. 
Uh, I think Centeno Jr., Charlotte is a short fight, uh, maybe five, six rounds. But uh, Boner Vargas, I think that's anybody's fight. It's going to come down to who wants it more. Uh, the Broner right Vargas hand, you know? fight is a great is a great matchup, and and, and um, I've been impressed with Vargas as, like just as a person. Like the the kid carries himself really well. He's well spoken, carries himself well. He's very confident. Um, I thought it was pretty cool when uh, at the press conference today. I don't know if you, I'm sure you noticed, but 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 when Broner was like staring at him and sort of trying to get under his skin, the kid just didn't miss a beat. He just said like, "Hey, look me in the eye. You know, I'm going to beat your ass." And then. You know, he has those kind of instincts you like, you know, you like to see. Broder, man, like his drawing power is like undeniable and it, it continues to surprise me because it, it doesn't necessarily like correlate to his success in the ring. And, you know, no BS. Like right now we're on, on a path that we're going to sell out the lower bowl, which is what we, you know, we set the place up for and, and may very well, gonna, you know, we're going to have, we're going to open up the upper bowl. Um, so like we're looking at, you know, certainly 10,000 people, um, and none of the, these three fighters that are the A sides or their opponents who are very strong, uh, you know, opponents, former world champion, um, you know, the, uh, you know, Vargas is an attractive opponent. So Centeno, um, you know, but none of these guys, none of the six of them are from New York and, uh, it's pretty. It's pretty amazing. It speaks to to where we've got this whole Brooklyn boxing program to. Um, you know, it, it speaks to the strength of a good, solid card that's stacked and has a, offering a lot. But it, but man, it, it does say something about the continuing star power of Broner. People may not love him, but the people that don't love him, they want to see him, even if it's only to see him get his ass kicked. You know, but he has that kind of appeal where you know people are, find him compelling whether or not they are fans of his. And it makes him uh, still one of the bigger draws in boxing. Yeah, I mean, at Broner's appeal, I mean, you know, Americans don't need to have their train wrecks, uh, train wrecks have substance, you know. They just need them to keep being train wrecks, and he keeps doing that. So I think as long as he, you know, I think if it's a close fight but a loss for him, I think he can get another chance out of it just because he's, he's colorful and people like that. But, uh, you know, I, I'm always excited when, when any Charlotte fights. So I, I'm, I'll definitely be watching. I, I think Davis too, <laughs> is a pretty exciting guy. So uh, No, the Davis, yeah. look, the Davis-Cuellar fight is, is likely to end in a knockout. I mean, Cuellar's, frankly, yeah. only chance is to hurt, it, it, I think, is to hurt Javante. And, and, I, and, I, and I think he's going to try to hurt Javante. And, and, and Davis is, you know, Davis is a strong, hard-punching little guy with – with a you know really good you know offensive skills, he's got good skills across the board. So that should be an interesting fight. I think Charlo might be the hardest puncher in the middleweight division, and you know Centeno's a, a pretty good kid. Um, the problem he may have is his chin may be his Achilles heel. So mm-hmm. you know it, it, can he manage to go through an entire fight with Charlo without having that chin checked? But I think that's a real interesting fight. And then I think the main event's anybody's fight. You know, is it the young kid moving up or is it the old guy that needs the win? You know, and he's not that old in years, Broner, but, but you know what? I mean, he's, he's got miles on him and there's there's only so many times in a row that you can walk into a fight where, you know, you're 
proclaiming that you're going to win and not do it. So it's a, he knows what's at stake. It's a really important night for Broner. I expect you'll see the best out of him, particularly with Kevin Cunningham in his corner. Yeah, well, that's it to be that. seen. Let's see what happens there. But I got to ask this question before we get you, uh, let you go, Lou. I, I got to ask this. What is the, what is the, what's the deal with Al Heyman and the Barclays Center? Why is there no fights out of there? Why is it always at that same place? Um, well, first of all, it's not always at that same place. I mean, you, the, the, Donna Stevenson's fighting in Canada. Uh, there's there shows uh, there's a there's there shows that Errol Spence is fighting in Texas. Um, but but the Barclays Center is one of the premier venues in the country. Brooklyn right now is supporting big fights. I mean, you know, regular million dollar gates and and regular crowds of ten thousand or more. Um, and you're in New York, which is the media capital, and it's also convenient to Showtime, where a lot of those fights are happening. And there's a real dedication in terms of keeping dates and holding dates for boxing and creating a franchise out of boxing at the Barclays Center that you don't even see now out of most casinos. So they really have created a boxing program. And, and you know, it's not a, you know... The events that, that I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of southern, uh, even over here uh, in North Cal- uh, California, or anybody in the West, the major complaint is that they can't fly out there. Why is a Mexican fighter fighting out there if he's the if he's a draw like a Mikey Garcia? Why is he not bringing these fighters and building them up if they're from an area like Southern California? You know, and I think that's what's the that's why I'm asking. There's been a lot. Well, of most of the guys from Southern California, if you really look, have also fought in Southern California. But if they're drawing huge gates and and they're doing well in the New York area, then you know, like they're better off having. Well, why wouldn't they want to be fighting there and get that kind of exposure right. at a premier venue? I mean, you know, I mean, the the, the truth of the matter is also is that. Um, the, the Barclays Center, because of the continuity of events, fighters are fighting there with some frequency. You know, we may, you know, my company has had nothing to do with PBC, but Ivan Baranchek, who's about to fight for a vacant world title, um, became a celebrity in Oklahoma and was generating site fees every time he fought in Miami, Oklahoma, which adopted him as, you know, its native son that that was his hometown and by by the regularity in which he fought there so you know there are a lot of fighters that have in the past made you know second homes away from home um in cities other than the ones that they were developed in well there you go well lou again man i want to thank you for coming on leaving the ring we really appreciate it uh coming on there and and answering our questions uh, until again, bro. My, my pleasure to be on. And by the way, take a look at the crowd when you watch, when you turn your TV on Showtime on Saturday night, look at this crowd and listen to it and realize they all bought tickets and that <laughs> there's a kid from Maryland, a guy from Houston, and a guy from Cincinnati as the A-sides and uh, a South American guy and a guy from Cali and actually, what, a guy from Nevada as a B-side. So nobody from from Brooklyn in the six TV slots, but look at what that room sounds like and looks like on Saturday night. I definitely, we definitely right. will. 
Thank you. All right, guys. Good to be with you. Bye-bye. Happy 420. Take care. All right. Bye. Well, there you go. You had Lou DiBella come on and uh, express his thoughts about uh, Triple G and Team Triple G uh, going on ahead with the uh, Matarosian fight. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that he was realistic about it, Gabriel. I mean, you know, he said, hey, I'm not going to false him at all because that's exactly probably what I would have done as well is avoid a threat and move on and get that six figure, you know? Yeah, I understand that. But, but it also, it's the thing I've, I've talked about in the past on TNR is that we understand Gennady's trying to build a business and a legacy, but there's a bunch of other people in, you know, in the other, in the four divisions that are working towards the same goal of trying to get a belt or get all the belts. Uh, and his point's well taken. It's like the guy gets passed over here, but now he's also going to get passed over in September when they make the rematch with Canelo. Uh, so right. at that point, you got to strip him. Uh, it just Can you hear me? You know, how, yeah. Okay. Just want to make sure because I, um, I finally got my computer up and working. Just wanted to oh, make good. sure yeah, that you can hear me. Yeah. Your vocal quality changed. Yeah. Um, Perfect. So that, you know, but it, it's something that, that – I find funny. It's why I call it hypocrisy heaven. Uh, this fight is because everyone's making the argument that Triple G for this kind of money shouldn't have to prepare for a dangerous fighter who is 12 and 0 with 10 knockouts. Kind of an unknown quantity at the top level, despite moving towards the mandatory spot. But they're totally fine with a 154 pounder who's like what three and six uh, in his last six. Who's won three out of his last six. Uh, and over there were razor, you know, decisions. But Vonis always loses kind of close fights, right? He always kind of does just enough to lose. That's kind of his story is when the lights are on, like the green fight. Uh, you know, w- when he got that fight, uh, he sunk out the giant. It was, you know, and that's kind of his MO. But so now we're, right. we're totally fine with him taking this chance on a few weeks notice, moving up to 160 from 154 where he's spent his whole career at amateur and pro like we're all fine with that like that's the acceptable risk we we don't want the middleweight champion to risk or risk his money which is always weird because we hear well it's not your money when we're talking about floyd or a pbc fighter why do you care that they're getting paid it's not your money but here i'll tell you why we're going to defend triple g because he might make some money right his big payday I mean that that remember I back when he fought very Brooke, funny. it was it was you know boxing all of a sudden it was boxing business but I I'll, I'll give you my reason why Moderosian is okay with me I think it's a decent fight it's a fight where you have a solid fighter that's going to go rounds with Triple G and when I say that because see here's the here's the thing is when you look in social media you see everybody well he's going to knock him out you know he's going to just knock this guy out um guys slow down I mean, Triple G is a monster guy, but he's a volume puncher. He's not one dude that just throws one punch and all of a sudden you're gone. He didn't do that with uh, with Canelo. He didn't do it with uh, Daniel Jacobs. Uh, he's a guy that gradually works forward and gets the buildup in order to kind of steam ro- over you. So, to me, Matarosian is the guy that is going to go in there and give him some rounds, and there's going to have some moments because I don't know about you or the rest of the world that watched the first fight with Gennady Golovkin and, and, and Saul Canelo, but I saw some bit of an age there. 
It took them a little longer to get the wheels going. It took them a little longer to um, to kind of track Anelo. And and I don't disagree with folks that have emailed me and said, hey, do you think there would have been a if, – if, if Canelo's uh, conditioning was 100%, do you think that he could have uh, taken more of the rounds and more Triple G? Because if you watch those first four rounds, uh, Gennady was having some problems there. And I know to the Gennady fans, the lovers of Gennady, the defenders of Gennady, they're going to say, what, are you crazy? Well, guys, I'm not biased. I'm watching the fight with both eyes, not one. Not one and the, hand, the other hand covering the other. You know, so I actually watched the fight uh, like two days ago, three days ago now, uh, uh-huh. and and uh, just you know hadn't seen it. I think maybe I watched it twice, uh, not the other day, but you know since the fight live, and then again before uh, the next round, and then uh, just the other day I was like, you know, I'm going to watch this fight again and see where Gennady's at, and and why is it that they're? I mean, you know, he hasn't fought in two years, and and I, I would say. Six months back, uh, Vanus was up here doing some sparring and was just helping somebody uh-huh. out, but it was like as, as big as I'd ever seen him. Like, he wasn't in great shape. Uh, he was working himself back into shape. Uh, from the pictures I've seen of him now, he looks to be in very good shape heading into this mini camp for Triple G. So, you know, maybe he had something lined up or he was waiting, you know, and just, just training. Uh, he's getting a nice rhythm with, with all the people out here uh, with, with Victor's gym. Uh, his dad and, and Remy Korchemny, who's the track coach, uh, get along famously. And so there's this nice uh, ability to speak to each other and, and uh, sense of family and all that. He's going to be feeling as good as he can feel on the night. But he hasn't fought in two years. He's a 154. No. Uh, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to say. It's he's always been a durable bet. guy that goes around, right. but at 154. Right. At 154. You know? and, and, and you know what? This is... This is the advantage, and this is what Gennady Golovkin's team has have worked up to, which is be the A side and be able to get away with certain things to secure themselves for an eight figure payday that may or may not happen in September. And you know, I may not like it. There's plenty of fans out there that don't like this fight. But this is boxing, and this is what happens. Your expectations cannot be too high, unfortunately. It just can't be that high. I'm thankful for that promotion, who, you know, who you know and I have met numerous times on numerous occasions. Uh, now, is he going to be a punching bag for a guy that's securing himself for this eight-figure payday? Absolutely. I'm not going to argue that. I'm not even going to argue that he may win a round or two because I don't think he is. Because, you, like, as you pointed out, 154. Hasn't fought in two years. But he does have a durable chin. Comes to fight. He is a professional. You know? Yeah. But they wanted you know, something safe. They wanted something safe. But he's safe. also, I mean, I, I don't know about uh, you. I go to the fights to see competitive fights. I'm not here to watch the beauty of Gennady Golovkin any more than I was there to watch the beauty of Floyd Mayweather against an overmatched opponent. But there's well, that's because you're an actual fight fan, though, Gabriel. Let's be fair here. Most people that tune in to watch fights tune in to watch the one person they want to watch. And if you look at the, the social media world, the Gennady fans have become like uh, Manny Pacquiao fans at one time. You know, they're, they're in love with their fighter. They got this, this infatuation with them. And no matter what he says and what he does, it's gold. 
It's gold, baby. And whatever you're saying, you know what they're going to say to you? I don't want to hear that soft shit. I don't want to hear that soft shit. Take that soft shit somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And, I mean, I don't even choose to engage with guys that are not going to be open to the fact that this is a crappy fight, you know? Um, now, is it is it in the terms of Gennady Golovkin's ducking, uh, you know, his mandatory, he's ducking a real, real fight? Um He's not ducking the opponent. He's ducking of he's ducking losing an eight figure payday. I don't know anybody else that would do that. Would you? I wouldn't do that. And I know for a fact that Tom Offer and them were not that dumb. They're not in the position that they're at for making stupid decisions. Well, and Felix Trinidad fought was, Winky Wright. Felix Trinidad fought Winky Wright, and he wrote him a check in the locker room for a million of his own dollars to make the fight happen. A bad style for him. Uh, he could have fought Mosley. Uh, he could have fought like you know more advantageous style for him, uh, but he chose to fight Winky Wright. And I, I've heard people, c- c- you know, uh, compare Golovkin. He's the closest thing to Hagler I've seen, and you know since Hagler, uh, forgetting about Bernard Hopkins, uh, setting you know defense record in, in his great title reign. Uh, but when you're c- getting comparisons like that, we always talk about this. There are guys that want to be great. And there's everybody else. Gennady wants all the belts, and that's a very clear mission. But, you know, with a month out, they could have made a clear decision. You know, we're, we're going to keep this date. This guy looks like he's not going to fight. And remember, you know, Greg Leone wrote about this on Boxing Talk, and it was yesterday. Uh, yeah, it was yesterday. Uh, and he talked about how it was Golovkin's lawyer who sent a letter to the NAC and pointed out the strict liability rule and how, you know, this guy, whether he proves it was inadvertent or not, needs a suspension. So they canceled the fight. Golovkin's side made sure once he was positive that the fight wasn't going to happen. Well, then at that point, you've got to fight your mandatory. Why, why can't you fight him in four weeks? If you're the greatest thing since Hagler, you're Mr. Mexican style, you respect boxing fans, and you're all about it, then I say, you know, fight your mandatory. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I knew that matter. that was just uh, Not just right. for the guys that have the belts, but for the guys that are working their way towards getting a shot at one. Now this guy's going to have to wait till when to get his fight. It's not right. It's got to be stripped. It's you know, got to be make, it's If you're going to be a business guy, cool. But, you know, take your medicine. Strip them. I'm in control of the uh, thing. I'm going on a rant while I thought you were going to the phones. <laughs> you know, here I thought I wasn't going to have to work the damn switchboard anymore. Uh, Three one zero. You're live on the next round. I'm sorry. You're live on. Leave it in the ring. <laughs> Old habits die hard. Evan, are you there? Yes. Yes. Hello. Hey. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing very well. Doing good, Dave, man. I think I, I'm doing Dave good. You there. know what? I, I ate some pizza a little earlier, so I think it's finally coming up. I'm getting at that age, man, where I, if I eat certain things, I'm starting to get heartburn. <laughs> Eat steak being one of them? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, I do very well with steak, Evan. You know, there are no suspensions under my belt here. But, uh, hey, man, well, welcome to the show. I definitely want to hear. Thank you for having me. You know, um, which your show is going to be up tomorrow for the fans that are listening right now. Uh, uh, the Aficionados, is, it will be up a little late. Well, evening time on Friday. And, uh, 
I, I had a chance to check out a little bit, so I'm excited to put that one up. I think the fans are going to not be disappointed with this episode that you're dropping on Friday. But we had Lula Bella on, and uh, he said, hey, you know what? I don't fault Gennady Golovkin's team or Gennady on not wanting to get in the ring with his guy, but choosing to go to, for Madarosian to secure an eight-figure in September with Canelo Alvarez. Let me ask you. If I remember correctly, you tuned in to the, to the conference that uh, Nevada had and giving Canelo the six-month suspension. What was your take and what was your thoughts about it? Well, look, I I'm, have been critical. I'm critical again in this episode. I should have been more critical last episode. I think, you know, I applaud taking a stance against PEDs like I, I do. I think this is a misguided one. I think there is plausible deniability for Canelo on this, and I don't really know whether he cheated or not. Um, but in almost any other state and in almost any other case, you can make a legal case here that he did not intend to cheat and it was out of his control. And honestly, it's like when you take a stand, you got to make sure you're buttoned up on this stuff. And I don't think they were. And look, that stuff matters. And so you're essentially delaying this. Now, the effect of it might actually make the fight bigger. Um, I love the Jordan Brand ad that came out. I hope the <laughs> animosity between stuff. the two. Yeah, I love That it. was great stuff. It. Yeah, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, hope, I hope the fight is bigger because of it. And you know what? Lou DiBella should want his fighter to fight Gennady after this fight. If Gennady beats Canelo in September, Lou's fighter is going to make a lot more money. He just is like, that's fantastic for Lou. You got to wait and maybe you got to strip the belt and that kind of stuff. But yeah, it, look, make the fight bit as big as possible. This is what the pay-per-view market is about at this point. It's, it's maybe that's big, why big fights. Right. And maybe that's why Lou is very self-controlled in this, in, in, in this late call that he had with this on leaving the ring, Gabriel, because at times we've had Lou and I think, uh, uh, uh uh, uh, Leonard, who who used to be with, um, who still is with the Leaving the Ring. Remember when he did that interview <laughs> with Lenny, and he he was in raw form, Lou DiBella, and it oh, just seemed geez, to me yeah, he, he, still, he just yeah he seemed a little calm. I was expecting a raw Lou DiBella to come on and just kind of go off about the fact that his fighter was not getting the shot at Triple G, but he wasn't. No way. And I think his fighter could have think, a full training camp, a full exactly. time to prepare. And and his fighter's probably going to make two or three times as much money. There you go. I mean, if, if Gennady go. wins, and if he wins impressively, that's a pay-per-view fight. It's really, what I mean, think about, like, that, that's what you want. What do you think about Fox, though? What do you think about this fight? It's not a great fight. I mean, it, it, it's the best you can do on this kind of nose. I guess, you know, I, and I mentioned this on the pod. The Gennady Golovkin brand is kind of unfortunate that through no fault of his own, he's he's taking a little bit of a brand hit, especially with hardcore fans. Because if you're a hardcore fan, you love him due to the activity that he had. And, and I went into it a little bit like, you know, I, I kind of went into it really deep. But his his brand is built on that. And he had a symbiotic relationship with HBO where – he really was able to get on there a lot. I think performing in Europe helped for that. I think probably take like Tom Loeffler not bleeding HBO dry for every single fight um, and, and him building 
uh, an attendance base to to fund opponents because when you got someone like him, it's you got to overpay opponents. So he he built that brand. And it's taken a little bit of a hit with this. Now, I think that's okay because he his next five opponents aren't going to equal the payday that he's going to get with Canelo. And at a certain point, you just got to say that's fine. Like it's prize fighting. You know, you're you could get brain damage doing this and get the biggest paydays possible like that. It's he's, he could probably make 25 or $30 million against Canelo. You know, how can you tell him not to do that? Right. I mean, could he have postponed this fight until June? Yeah. You can make an argument for that and, and fought one of his mandatories. Um, you can, you can definitely make that argument. I think there's enough, Enough of his fans, especially his hardcore fans, are hardcore. Like, they would love to see him fight on Cinco de Mayo. They're kind of like hardcore Mexican-American fan base, like, that's a hardcore boxing fan. Um, I mean, trust me, I was in the crowd for the first fight, the Love King Canelo, and there were, there's definitely this, you know, the marketing term would be sort of brand equity, but there's this, like, palpable thing he has going on where you feel like there's, you know, this crowd that's cheering against their own national soccer team. It's crazy. Like, like he did that, you know? Um, and it's the way he fights and it's, and it's his style and it's everything that a hardcore fan appreciates it. But in New York, if you went there, it, the crowd who would show up for him was just pure fight fans. It's everybody. Everybody right. loves the way he fights, you know? Um, so, Going back to Vonis, I don't, you know, I don't know what to make of that. It's a tough, like Vonis has been so inaccurate. I, I tell you what, really I tell you what I make. You can, you can make the, it's, it's right. like it's fine. It's okay. It's fine. But I can tell you what I can make of it. There's, there's two things, two sides to this, I believe. One is, like, you know, obviously, Team Gennady Golovkin are looking at the big payday in September, but they're looking at their fighter. They, you know, obviously they could have pushed it to June, right? You know, give the other guy more time if they were going to go after the mandatory. But instead, they have their fighter. He's juiced. He's ready. He wants to fight. Why allow him to sit it off and not get that aggression out at the time that was set and ready to go? I mean, if we go back and we look at Tito Trinidad with Bernard Hopkins, when, 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 when the fight was canceled, not by their fault, but when it was canceled to a later date, it almost you almost call you almost caught a Trinidad flat. He wasn't the Trinidad. Yep. Like Trinidad looked ready to go on fight the fight night that was scheduled. When he came back, he just wasn't that guy. And I think that that's, that's how trainers that's, look at their fighters. That's definitely one of the classic examples. You know, and and I think I think the other thing is like people don't realize like if you're a boxer, you're an independent contractor and you put a lot of money and time and effort into your training camp and you you schedule it to peak at a certain point. Um, and you can always make adjustments, but that's really like, that's kind of what it is. You know, it's not like very rarely, especially at this kind of a level with these kind of stakes, like you can't really screw with that that much. And so I, I get it. And also like, look, if Gennady wins on May 5th and then he wins in September, I mean, who, who does own the two sort of quote unquote Mexican holidays? Does he own them? I don't know at that point. You know, who knows? I mean, those are sort of the big two pay-per-view days. Yep. Yeah. 
I just wonder how many like miles, the, you know, he, Gennady's got left in him, you know. Um, I think he's fresher at this point than maybe Martinez was at this point. Um, yeah. He doesn't well, seem to have any nagging injuries or anything, but he's getting slower and he's getting hit more flush and more, mm-hmm. you know. But mm-hmm. uh, No, and, and that's even a bigger, more of an argument. I mean, it's less for the – it's more of an argument for him to fight Vonis and then Canelo in September, at least if you're on Gennady's team. Now, if you're just a pure fan, I understand it. Um, I understand that you're a little bit disappointed in it, but by, by that logic too, it's like you don't have too much of this left in the run. So definitely enjoy it. Enjoy it. You know, like yeah, no one I, complained when he knocked out Rubio in two rounds. I mean, that, you know, it's, I did. I actually thought that was a shit fight too. <laughs> I was like, why is everybody celebrating? I mean, it's a shit fight. Uh, you know, you we know. used to call him the Dark Cloud, uh, Evan, for a reason. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know, and I like, you know, I respect Rubio as a fighter. I'm really fond of Vonis. Yeah, he's a really great guy, true, true fighter, uh, just really like pure fighter, like mentality, uh, drop of a hat, he's ready to go. I, I respect that. But, you know, I wasn't excited about the Brook fight either. You know, everybody – all of a sudden, fight fans are telling me, well, it's an event, you know. That's great, you know. Like, go to a freaking concert. I want to see a fight, you know. I want to see an evenly matched fight. I want to see a guy challenged. Um, but, you know, that, that's me. I got something to do that night already. Like, before they announced the bonus fight, I already had something to do. So, you know. Uh, so, so did I. Know. I have a birthday to celebrate, <laughs> you know. On yeah, Seagull Mile. <laughs> well, that's right. It's Dave's birthday. Yeah, I'm I'm doing a, a live podcast. I'm guesting on a live podcast here in here in the city that night. So, you know, like it, it, to me, it's just one of those. It's like I'll catch it on the you know replay. You know, right. HBO mm-hmm. Now or no, whatever. I, HBO Go. And I, 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 I think everybody understands that that mentality. <laughs> you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It, it, it's fine. It's fine. Right. That's, that's <laughs> it's not can't miss television. Um, and it's but, no reason you know, to stop being a Gennady Golovkin fan, you know? The guy exactly, brings it, you know? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I think that's my, my overall point, and maybe I am a little bit biased, uh, you know, because we worked with him and Tom real closely, but, uh, and, he, and he's, he was fantastic to work with. But, you know, it, and Tom's great. Like, we did, it, you know, we did the same thing with Canelo, too. I mean, it, you know, I like them both. Uh, so, but, yeah, that's... That is exactly what Vonis versus Gennady is. It's okay. Maybe, maybe we'll watch it if there's nothing else on. And otherwise, if you got something else to do, catch it on replay. You kind of know the outcome. But um, I think you get to September, and then if you're a Gennady fan, I, th- I think he will be active after that. And it's, I have no inside info on that. But I think once it, you know if he beats Canelo, now if he, now if Canelo wins. I mean, Gennady's got to take a, a real hard look at the roadmap as to where he's going. Um, but if Gennady wins, I, look, you know what's happening. He's going for all the, all the belts. Like, that that's going to be – he'll overpay, I'm sure, for B.J. Saunders, and, and he'll overpay, you know, for losing I think of Yachchenko or whatever. Right. But I think if in Canelo's, if in, on Canelo's part, it, it depends on how, how he wins. If it's a close fight – it's a no-brainer. Canelo, do it again. It's big money. Mm-hmm. But if it's a shutout, then Canelo's in a real pickle here because there's some real dangerous middleweights sitting to take the throne. You know? 
Yeah, um, it, well, that's always, I think, in the back of everyone's mind. Right. You know, P.J. Saunders is a stylistic nightmare for everyone if he brings it. Um, Danny Jacobs, I would love to see HBO put him in against tougher opponents, um, and I would love to see him fight either, you know, Golovkin again or Canelo, but he might even be favored – depending on how these guys look, like he might even be favored as well. Like if you're being realistic, um, we haven't I'd seen much Danny from Danny rematch. Jacobs yeah. against, against Gennady. Yeah. I mean, if you're being realistic now, we haven't, I don't think we've seen enough of him because, you know, especially in the last two fights with Golovkin. Um, and I don't think, I don't want this to come off as a criticism of Abel Sanchez. You can, you can argue that there were tactical improvements to be made um, within the fight for Gennady. And so the question is, do they adjust properly to the fighter? Um, Like, do they sort of have that Andre Ward moment where they come back and figure it out? Um, You know, or was that a sign that he's really slipping and he can't make the adjustments, you know? Yeah. I I watched that fight a couple days ago or three days ago and, and, he do, he doesn't look like a guy that can make adjustments. There, there, physically, there's like an energy that's missing from him. You know, a get up and go. When you watch him in the amateurs, or even like you know as a young pro, he had, he was like like almost like a Tito in that. He, he, I guess you can see this in all fighters. Like they they just have more bounce early on, and he's mm-hmm. just slowly become more of a plotter. Well, know, and, and I think I think the the stylistic question is: Did he do that because he just? he's gotten into this one track mindset or is he really capable of, cause he kind of did it against Lemieux. Although I guess you could say he didn't make any in, in fight adjustments. He just sort of came in and showed a good box. Um, but that's sort of like, if you're, if you're really being critical at the elite level of, of what he's actually doing in the ring, like that's really the big question that he's got to answer, you know, uh, yeah. and he's probably not going to answer it against Bonas, unfortunately. So no, 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 it's just going to be a high-profile uh, sparring match. You know, I mean, you know, I don't want to uh, um, not give uh, Bonas his credit. I mean, he's a solid guy. He comes to fight, but two years layoff and moving up six pounds with with the, one of the best middleweights out there to date. It's 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 a lot to chew, and he's going to be chewing a lot of leather to find out whether or not he was ready on a three-week notice to step in with the number one middleweight champion of the world. Um, well, it, you can also, yeah. you can be critical of the fight and the circumstances and not actually be critical of Vonis. And I think that's what we're all going out of our way to say here, because, you know, maybe under the right circumstances, Vonis could give a good fight. It's just really, this is just really tough. Like it's no one, how could you expect much of him? Like we have no idea what kind of shape he was in or anything like that. No, like no, we don't. I mean, this shape, is a big you know? guessing game. And, right. Yeah. I think, like I said, he'd been up for, like, some sparring a while back. He might have been traveling back and forth. You know, he, he uh, already seemed to be showing a six-pack in, like, one of the shots. So, you mm-hmm. know, uh, he's probably in good shape. And they take good care of him over there. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he might be uh, – I won't be surprised if, if – if, uh, you know, because Victor has talked about how uh, yeah. he thinks that, that – uh, Triple G training at altitude is actually working against him at this point that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the, maybe the first few fights, it was great because it was new. 
uh, shocked his body, but now it's having diminishing returns. But, you know, Abel doesn't, it's very closed lipped about, you see his training techniques, but, you know, I don't know if his guys supplement, like what, what they do or how old school they are. Is he, you know, taking vitamins or, or whatnot up there to, to, you know, get ready for and adjust for the altitude and all that, you know? Um, th- that's the thing I'm kind of curious about. I know Vonis is going to be in good shape. Uh, hopefully he was in good shape to begin with and uh, he'll be ready. I just, and, and, you know, Bonnet adding is, the extra weight, right. maybe he comes in at 58 and it's just stronger and, and uh, a little more explosive, you know, who knows? He is, you know, five eleven. he should be able to carry the weight. Well, that, and, and you have to love the attitude. I mean, I love any attitude where you dare to be great. You know, I'm, I'm probably yes. one of the few boxing fans who loved watching Conor McGregor. I mean, uh, like, I I say this, and in the same moment, I basically told all of my friends uh, at five or six to one odds, bet everything you have on Floyd Mayweather and probably around this round. Like, I'll script out the fight for you. But, like, I love seeing anyone dare to be great at whatever they're doing, and that's what Bonus is doing. All credit to him. Yeah. I wish Triple G had dared to be great, but you're right. Like, the long game of it, <laughs> you know. If Dervachenko, you know, if it's Canelo that wins, then, you know, it's got to wait for the third fight, or maybe they go, hey, let's fight other people and then come back to each other. I mean, for Triple G, he's got to get it now with Canelo. But uh, Dervachenko might be in line to make some more money, you know, and he's only 12 and 0, 10 knockouts. He can, he can afford maybe an interim fight, stay busy. I hope he doesn't sit around. All the number ones have to, have to stay active. Well, he, I, look, I don't imagine. I'm sure you know, Lou will get him a fight somewhere that he knows he could win, but Lou's kind of played this perfectly. He basically got his name out there and then he pulled him back. So people, there's actually some name recognition and then he has the leverage for the big fight when it's time to make the big fight. I mean, he's either going to get him against Canelo or triple G based on whoever wins, you know, that's fantastic. He didn't come out of it with everybody kind of hating him. You know, now we just Mm -hmm. are very aware of Darifinchenko. You know, I got to see him work up here. The guy, he's a workhorse, man. And I think what they call him the technician. He's just very precise. He's going to be a long night for Triple G if they ever fight. He'd be great with Canelo, too, actually, you know. I I mean, I I say this. I have yet to actually see him fight. So I I don't know what he's capable of or anything like that. Yeah, he's the real deal. Yeah. That's from from all reports, it, it certainly sounds that way, you know. He doesn't forget to go to the body. Triple G better <laughs> remember how to, you know. Yeah. Uh, if, he, yeah. if he's gonna, I'm sure he will at uh, StubHub Center. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> well, so your your next episode is was that episode seven dropping tomorrow night? Dropping tomorrow night, and I I think I did the sound better this time. I apologize. <laughs> I, you know, you I wonder if people listen to me about sound. Yeah, I, and that then is, I heard it from everyone on social media. I was like, okay, okay, got it, guys. I will figure this out next time. Right, right. Yeah, yeah that's one thing. So. One thing about our listeners, they will they will catch the blemishes. I'm going to hear a lot about it for this, this, this episode. I'm going to tell you now because now my mic went down, so I had to call back in with the phone. But, hey, Evan, thanks for calling in, bro. We're going to keep moving on. Um, All right. Appreciate the insight, and it was great. Thanks again. Good stuff, guys. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye, man. Peace. We're going to patch in right now in a short bit here. Uh, Brian Fogg, who is with Leaving the Ring, but writes for 
uh, the Yuma Sun. He moved to Arizona. I don't know if you know that, Gabriel, but he moved down to Arizona. So you know what that means, more beer. Heat equals more beer. Grandma uh, Margie Montoya uh, is from Yuma, Arizona, so that's very exciting. There you go. Hey, guys. There you go. How's it going tonight? Good. Good, man. Long time no talk. Yeah, I, uh, you, you said your grandma's down here, Gabe? Yes, she was. Yeah, she's no longer with us. But, yeah, she originated in Yuma. Didn't want to go back. Yeah. Didn't, didn't talk about oh, right. why. <laughs> oh, really? Well, that's great. I just moved here. So I'll keep yeah, an eye yeah. out for uh, anything too crazy. <laughs> yeah, I think you'll be okay. You're, you're, you're not Mexican. So I think that might have been the thing. I don't know. No, but, I, uh, I'm a <laughs> yeah, white-looking Hispanic guy, so I never had any trouble. <laughs> nice. But, uh, nice. Uh, yeah, I uh, <laughs> kind of <laughs> wondering what you guys think of uh, the card this weekend. Uh, I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know. You guys see two kind of uncompetitive fights, and uh, one that's kind of fifty-fifty uh, with Broner Vargas there. Uh, I'm thinking probably what I don't think about Charlo. Probably wasn't high on Charlo until six months or well the last year or so and both of them just started mowing everyone down <laughs> I, I like the yeah. you know what I mean here's the thing with Broner is Broner is is when he came out when he took when the world boxing world took notice of Broner he had the Mayweather Mesquite right everybody's like wow this guy is the mirror of Floyd of of now but then he slowly the cockiness took over, which was a good thing for 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 fight fans. Sure. Um, he decided to take on more dangerous opponents, which was like Madonna, and and then we got good fights out of him. And ever since then, mm-hmm. here's a guy with a chip on his shoulder because he's kind of blaming the world around him for not getting his credit due when it's really been his own fault. You know. Right. And so. This, to me, is a perfect opportunity for Jesse Vargas to get a KO over Broner, which I think a lot of folks have been waiting for to see Broner get dropped again and and shut down, (laughs) you know? But at the same time, Broner, man, I mean, you know, there's still some pop in legs and and in hand speed with Broner, so he could give Vargas some trouble here. But I got to tell you, I think that if anyone should be thanking Broner and Vargas at the moment right now, should be the guy that sings six nine this and six nine that, six nine that on my gat and all that other crap, right? Because I, let's be honest, he brought the fight in the life, right? You know, I mean, I heard of this kid about about what six months ago. My nephew Sean is a huge fan of uh, Takashi sixty nine. And and unlike most folks that are saying that his, his music is garbage, I, I have to uh, to admit here is, um, hey, man, I bought his album, okay? <laughs> is this like a midlife crisis for you, man? <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I'm bumping it at the lot, you know, my car lot, and I'm over there listening. I'm, oh, you know, man. he ain't no biggie, but I was like, yo, this kid's kind of, you know, you know, shoot me. But, but. 
it's no surprise to see hip hop back in the mix with boxing. And I, like I said, Jesse Vargas and Ludabell and the rest of these guys should thank Takashi Six Nine to hear a bit because he's hot right now in the market, <laughs> and he he put notice on on this about this fight. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, Broner's really. Uh, I mean, he's kind of grown into his whole life as a, like a wrestling heel out there. I mean, he he loved being the the bad guy kind of in this, and uh, yeah. He, he doesn't, and I don't remember the last time he made a bad fight. Uh, no. Did, uh, Mikey Garcia, Sean Porter, yeah, he was getting kind of one-sided losses, but they were, they were sort of fun. And, uh, and, and, and you know, you know what? He never gave up. He, you never saw no, a guy that's go, it. that's it. I'm done. Sean Porter, he you know? knocked him down in the 12th round, wasn't it? Yeah. Or 11th, yep. 11th round. So I think yeah. that'll be interesting. Uh, I, I do kind of expect... Bar- Broner's not necessarily a big welt. I know it's at a catch weight, but he's not a big welterweight. Right. Uh, and it kind of balloons. And Vargas, I mean, there could be like a 10, 12-pound weight difference between the guys if they get in there. And I'm thinking Vargas is going to look like a, look like a middleweight out there, or at least that's what yeah. he's going to plan to do. I want to ask you guys this. I want to ask you guys this. I mean, I don't know if this is a good comparison, but Broner to me is the, is the Hector Camacho Sr. of the millennium. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't. He, he he comes to fight. He you know he makes it interesting by his trash talking and he believes in it, but he never really, really wins these high profile fights at all. Sure. Yeah, he's he's kind of that B B plus A minus contender, the back end of the top end. But he's gonna be there and he's gonna make fights, and people are gonna watch because they hate him. That's the third part with uh, Broner. But yeah, you know, I'm excited for this one though. I mean. Broner comes to fight, and really, Jesse, uh, uh, he hasn't done a whole lot lately, I guess. Uh, he, had, I don't, he had one fight since Pacquiao, and that's two years. Yeah. I think that's right. So I, you know, maybe, maybe there's a little bit of ring rust from all that time off. It's tough to say. Uh, one fight one I was kind of curious with you guys, uh, while you're wondering about it, the you know, Nino Donaire fights this weekend. Uh, as an obvious B-side sort of opponent against Carl Frampton, do you think he has any chance of uh, well, doing anything at all over there? Again, here's a guy that, that may not be the same person anymore. He may not be the Flash. Right. You know, I think, I think photographers have more Flash than the Flash at the moment. <laughs> but he's a guy that comes to fight. I don't see no quit in him. So I think Frampton's going to have his hands full for a bit until he, you know, catches rhythm and he starts to do the things that he wants to do. But I think at any chance in any opening, Donier can take advantage of it. I don't, what do you think, Gabriel? I think Donier has a, it has a solid chance of, of upsetting. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no real size differentials here. I mean, you know, five, five and a half for Donaire, five, five for Carl Frampton. Actually, Donito's got a 68 inch reach to Frampton's 62 inch reach. He's got more experience uh, being successful, I think, at the top level. Uh, Frampton's been up there, but kind of, I don't know, I, I just don't think he ever should have lost to, to, to Santa Cruz. I, I don't rate that high. I know people will probably kill me for saying that, but uh, I think Nonito, you know, he hasn't looked too bad. Uh, he, he had that loss to, to Santa Cruz. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh uh, I was looking at Frampton's. He's actually uh, he's had a you know the loss to Magdaleno, but uh, oh, right. 
But, you know, he came back with, uh, you know, a 10-round decision in his last fight, uh, Donaire, to move himself into position for this. So, uh, you know, I think it's anyone's fight uh, on some level. Frampton hasn't looked exactly great himself as of late. Uh, even in winning with uh, against Horatio Garcia, uh, you know, he, I don't know, he had his moments where uh, he just didn't quite look like uh, the same confident guy that, that beat Santa Cruz. Uh, so I, I think, I don't know. It, it, to me, it's not a gimme fight. It, it's kind of an underrated right. fight this week. I haven't really been paying much attention to, uh, to tr- I haven't really been on Twitter until we like, announced the <laughs> I think show it's today. All up to- uh, so, you know, I haven't really checked the news, but uh, does this fight have buzz? Are people talking about it? Not really. Not really. But no, you know not what? at all. No. I, not not even the mayor bothers Twitter. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think his wife has made more noise than him at, at the yeah. moment in fight week. You know? But, <laughs> you know, I think with Nonito, is, the thing is that what what I've seen of him of late is is he's the older he, the older he's become, the more he thinks a bit too much in the ring. And he doesn't mm-hmm. let his hands go when they should should let you know when he should let him go. So I think that's the only way he loses this fight is if he just kind of sits back and and he kind of cocks the, the 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 punches before he throws them because you can read that and he's been doing right. that a whole lot. You know he's not the counter puncher of, of of the old at all. He's now more of an off offense fighter. And it's been become pretty predictable. So it's an interesting fight. I'm not going to write him off, though. I think he can pull the upset. But I really think it depends on how Frampton comes about with his game plan. Well, and if you look at some of the guys Nodito struggled with, I mean, Nicholas Walters, he came in looking like a welterweight. Uh, Jesse yep. Magdaleno, he, he's kind of a big featherweight or a big junior. Uh, and, I mean, Rigondeaux when he was a little bit younger. So, I mean, he struggled with big guys and then a, a real, like, special talent. I, I don't know. Maybe Frampton's nowhere near that, and Nonito's just a good enough athlete that he can still do something out there. Or maybe he's completely shot and we're just wasting our time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it's kind of an interesting fight for the weekend. I, and it doesn't seem like it's getting much hype at all, just with all, all the fights going on, the triple header and then uh, the Canelo triple G drama and Vonis and even Amir Khan this weekend too. Oh God, I forgot about Amir. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I was kind of chinny on that one. Yeah, pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Back sorry. I didn't that know. One you know. Yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm. I'm intrigued by it. I'm curious. It's on ESPN Plus. I don't know if mm-hmm. I'm. I'm. Uh, you know. I want. To, I kind of want to check out that platform. So you know, it, yeah. I, I tell you, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Is that I'm not going to watch any of the fights this this Saturday. I'm going to DVR oh, them, man. and the reason is because I'll be in Southern California. Um, my 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 youngest brother got got us tickets for, and, and and I don't even know how I did. I must have been high as a kite when I said yes. But uh, <laughs> I'm going to America's Got Talent. I'll be in America's Got Talent, guys. So if you see me, I'll be the guy holding the sign saying, I love Sam and Cal. Um, so that's where I'm going to be Saturday. <laughs> dude. I'm sorry. That's, a, that's just awful. I, I, I thought better of you, Dave. <laughs> I know, man. I know. You know, it's, I just, it's surreal because um, I almost got shot by a cop today. And I'm, 
kind of hoping that he could have shot me today so I'd have to go to this thing on Saturday. But <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Hey, Gabe, you know, mentioned uh, ESPN Plus there. Uh, have either of you guys done anything with it or made a username? Uh, and, I mean, it looks like we're, we're, I mean, we're going to have a ton of fights on there. I just don't know what to think about the app and the concept. I mean, this is probably more of Evan's it. alley. Yeah. No, honestly, uh, I haven't. Uh, like, I, I kind of took a, a social media and, like, just kind of uh, news break, you know, after leaving the next round. So, no, I haven't, I haven't even pulled it into my phone. I, uh, today was, like, the most I wanted to talk about the fights. So, like, Dave kind of got me talking about <laughs> this fight. And, uh, and then, you know, in the morning, it was like, we should do a show. So I was like, all right. But uh, well, he was going to do a show anyways. Uh, but right. uh, he got me intrigued. You know, I could probably talk myself into why I think Vaughn is like, do you think you have to throw out the Eros Andy Lara fights? I think so. But, you know, here's the yeah. thing. Is, here's the reality. And I think this is the things that we need to point out. Triple G has start. He's a slow starter. He's, he's kind of shown that, you know, that he, he will give rounds away. And I think that's where uh, uh, Vaughn can take advantage. Also, we've seen – Triple G not having the greatest condition in terms of there's there's moments where you could take advantage of him because he'll sit it out for a while, you know, mm-hmm. and you know you could kind of look at that he's sitting it out to kind of see your mistakes and where he could, you know, capitalize on. But to me, those are opportunities to be to to cap to you know take advantage and capitalize on your yourself. And Canelo was doing that, so Bonds yep. would have to kind of start fast and and. To me, Vonis would have to not trap himself. He's going to have to test himself and to see whether or not he can really withstand a, a true 160-pounder puncher. And, does, does you know, take, oh God, sorry. does it take go Triple G? You know, Vonis is a really, like, awkward dude, kind of long arm, kind of lanky and uh, – just kind of a weird guy to fight. Does it take Triple G four or five rounds just to get the hang of that? That's the big question. That's what I'm saying. I think that's why Vonis may make this a little bit more of a, a, a stretch of a fight than most folks are giving mm-hmm. him. You know, saying that Vonis is going to be, he's going to get blown out of there. Who, he hasn't fought in two years. It's going to be a murder role for, you know, for him and, and et cetera. You know I mean? Yes. HBO, is going to have a, a KO reel possibly, or maybe not, but it's going to have some <laughs> significant punches to, to reel for the upcoming September fight. But, I mean, they were not even interested in the fight until these PSPN started showing interest. Then they were like, whoa, wait a minute, now right. we have money in the budget. Let's, let's jump on this. But <laughs> I, think, I think that as much as fans are undermining what Vonis can do because of the two-year layoff and Laura, I think that – Team G could be do, doing the same thing. They're looking ahead rather than looking mm-hmm. in front of them, you know, um, and that might give opportunities to for Monterosian. Just Monterosian to stay in the fight, I don't think, to, 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 to take a win, Gabriel. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, you know, like I said, it depends on the, 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 the Vonis that shows up, you know. Stylistically, yeah, right. he could be a problem, you know. Uh, it's almost like a little bit of a B.J. Saunders and he'll – He'll bounce around mm-hmm. and move and, and, and kind of, you know, uh, make you look for him a little bit. Boxes from on high. Uh, but he's also not the biggest puncher at 154. But he, I think he hits hard enough to keep respect. It's not like he got, you know, he, he went neck and neck with uh, 
Mara is, was, you know, the top of the class, you know. Although I think the Charlos really are the, the class of 54 and 60, you know, they just have yet to fight, uh, fight everybody, but. Right. You know, we'll see. No, yeah. uh, and, and then for, for Bonas, what's the success? I mean, I mean does, can, he can make it an interesting fight, you know, if he's just a little awkward and Triple G is slowing down over his last two fights, actually. I think we've seen that. But uh, does, he, does he think he has any chance of winning or just making it interesting for a little bit? No, I'm going to say make it interesting. Right. Yeah, I don't think so either, man. I hate to say it, but yeah, I think you see, I think he makes it interesting in certain points. I think he makes it interesting that fans are going to give him his props by saying he survived with Triple right. G if he does go through 12 rounds, because uh, you know Vonis is not some some dude that you're just going to land one punch and it's done and over with. You know, um, he's definitely not going to be that heavyweight. Uh, what was his name that got in with Anthony Joshua? Uh, what's his name? Parker. Oh God, no, the other guy. The uh, guy that Tom? had the title, he had a short reign. That oh, is, that's uh, Charles Martin. Charles Martin. Martin, right. Monterosi is no Martin. But uh, All right, Brian. Hey, bro, thanks for calling in, man. I really appreciate it. we got to let you go because we've got to get going ourselves here on Leaving the Ring. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for having me on, and you guys have a good one. You right, too, man. bro. You too. Here's real quick final thoughts before we log off here on Leaving the Ring. First off, hey, I want to thank everybody that's tuned in and uh, continue to support us on Patreon and continue to support us regardless. And, you know, I know, like I said, I haven't been around, but I, I, I appreciate all the emails and, you know, direct messages and the following that we have here. So final thoughts here. Um, Salka, dude, burn those trunks. They weren't good for you. You shouldn't have done that. It was stupid, you know. <laughs> Timber you know. is the only thing I could have thought of when I saw you get dropped by uh, Francisco Vargas. You know, um, understand your political view. But sometimes your political view should not be brought at a place where it has no business at. And that was definitely not on fight night on ESPN against Francisco Vargas. I had a guy that actually tweeted back to me, and I blocked him here, uh, Gabriel. Um, he said, because somebody had said he got it was well-deserved what, what Rob Zalka got from uh, Francisco Vargas. And this guy goes, well, it was deserved. Then what about the smugglers and drug dealers? And so I had to respond back to the guy. And I'm like, what does that have to do with, with that? I mean, Francisco Vargas is not a smuggler and he's not a drug dealer. It's just a stupid point. You know, I mean, that had nothing to do. It's not like Vargas was trying to sneak over here to the States. He came here as a professional fighter to fight in a professional fight, not to overstay. So for him, for, for Saka to, to, to make that move by bringing a pair of trunks that said America first and have a wall imprinted on his trunks, to me was, was, a, was, a, was, was an open door to be criticized and ridiculed and, and to have people immediately applaud him getting stopped in the sixth round, not coming out after the sixth. So to me, there is no sympathy there. And, you know, I forgot, oh, um, Michael Woodley, I, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I see the guy's tweets. I like some of his tweets, but he's called him, he called him uh, courageous. And uh, me and you spoke about that. And it stood out that when, you, when I looked at that, I was like, courageous? How is this courageous? This is more like of a coward. And I think you even said that to me. You know, there's a coward going out there. You're bringing your agenda into the ring. So I thought it was a stupid move. And I think seeing some fighters well, that are trying to use this. The, the, now more than ever, it's actually safer to be a open racist. Well, I wouldn't say more than right. ever, but in in our lifetime, I think 
you know, me as an adult anyways, it seems like it's more okay. And the people are pushing back against people talking about racism more than ever. Um, I'm and so that, him wearing you know, those trunks thing, there, I mean, I guess, you know, he's pretty brave in a right. room full of Mexicans in Indio, California, uh, to wear those trunks. But, yeah, it was uh, – it just didn't help. What is it going to help? You know, no. I mean, think of all the mass shootings that we've had in the country this year. And not to, you know, do any whataboutism, but, like, if something's really an issue to you, I mean, I would say that mass shootings seem to be more of an issue than people fleeing other countries and trying to get here, you know. And, and I don't know. Don't get me started. I mean, immigration people right. think the, the whole thing through, and, you know, they'll get mad because I'll, I'll start bringing in kind of inter- the intersectionality of, of what the U.S. has done you know, uh, in South America, bringing down regimes, I mean, these are just things that they did, uh, or, right. what, you know, what they're doing in the Middle East, uh, invading Iraq uh, based on lies uh, in a war of choice. Uh, you know, it, it's – people don't think, well, maybe, you know, we're causing the reasons why those people want to flee the places they're fleeing. Uh, but, no, we, you know, we need legal immigration. and you know, I mean, just think about how that's this an country hour, is funded. Right. It, it that's just an makes hour you sick. of another show that we could, obviously, we could really, <laughs> honestly, we could do. You know, and, you I, know I think that check means out episode two of, you, uh, of the Undiscovered Country, the the podcast that I right. did, and I I delve into it with an expert on uh, immigration. Right, and that was a great episode, by the way. Really, truly enjoyed Thank it, you. and I know a lot of people did as well. You know, but you know, my point was this: is that we're seeing more and more especially in boxing, um, because Salka is not the first to bring up the wall and, you know, we're going to send Mexicans back and et cetera, et cetera. But it takes me back to a movie that I really, truly love and enjoy. It's a movie I could watch over and over, which is Sleepers. And there's a scene at, at like at the, in the beginning of, of the movie where we're right after the part of them being kids in juvenile hall. Um, now they're in Dalton. They walked into this pub slash restaurant and these two gentlemen are, are talking politics and uh one of the guys said hey tell the bartender hey go over there and get buy him a beer and tell him in this place here health's kitchen um partaking in pol- pol- talking politics and sports doesn't happen can't do it and those guys respectively lifted up their glasses at them and said hey you're right and I think that that's where we need to go back to when we talk in when we when we're in sports. You know, I don't want to see your political agenda stepping in the ring. Just get in there and do your job. And especially if you're being ignorant. But like I said, you're America first. Well, Francisco Vargas is not looking to cross over. He didn't come over illegally. He's not coming over to steal you. Well, he stole the. You know, I mean, he beat you up for the for the. For the win, but he's not stealing it from you, and I think that's just stupid of some folks. And I got a lot of emails because of my tweets about it and some of my memes that I put up on Instagram um, that some folks were kind of offended by it, and you know, and I, I would say, hey man, I'm sorry, you know, but um, I don't. I think it's got to well, go both ways. America you know? first, you know. If you can look up uh, look up the history of uh, America first, um, I think the Atlantic. Uh, did a great piece on it. I'm uh, pretty sure it's the Atlantic. I got the history of it. Um, I won't, you know, we're re- trying to wrap up the show, but I would suggest people look that up. Uh, but it, it's just a weird thing to me. America, people that say America first, why does America not put itself first? You know, we've been like the, <laughs> right? the superpower for like a long time. Uh, you know, our, our, our forefathers, the, the founders of the country used to refer to Mexico and South America as our, you know, our backyard to the South. Um, We've got like five or six heading up to like maybe seven 
wars that we're doing that are undeclared, but are wars. Uh, you know, we do regime changes all the time. Like, when do we not put ourselves first? Uh, hmm. I don't understand. Good point. Uh, well, I no, guess it's I know that's myself first. I'm an American. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, there's, but, you know, we have a homeless problem and housing shortages. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Flint isn't the only major city with lead in it. Uh, I think there's like 13 right. total that are in danger of this. Uh, our infrastructure is all screwed up. But people that, that follow that America First stuff, you know, really need to take a look at, at people that are saying what they're actually doing. Puerto Rico still doesn't have power, but we're blowing money on bombs. You know, what about America right. First? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, so anyway. it's only <laughs> right. Exactly. Anyways, man, it was good. I think that uh, I was expecting a little bit more. Bring Russ with us, being back on the show here, doing uh, leaving the ring. But unfortunately, the one, the only one that was having ring Russ was my my laptop. Um, <laughs> but not us. But uh, anyways, we'll be back next week, everyone. I want to thank everybody that tuned in on Leaving the Ring with myself, Dave Duenas, and my co-host, Mr. Gabriel Montoya. People telling Gabriel, welcome back. Uh, welcome back from where? You never left. You're still here. Anyways, the dark cloud, as always, brother, uh, don't drink and drive because you will spill your beer, beer. And keep a close lookout for me on America's Got Talent. I'll be in the background holding that sign that says, we love you, Samuel, Samuel Cowell. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Peace.